Prince Harry hinted that he and Meghan are thinking about having a second baby. Apparently, they're both at a place in their lives where they feel like it's time to hire a second full-time nanny. An airline <laughs> pilot caught pleasuring himself in front of a hotel window will not be charged with indecent exposure. In his defense, he thought the fasten your sexual habits sign was turned off. No, and on... <laughs> An online dating consultant says that the person you matched with on that dating app or website might not actually be human. Might not actually be human. Clearly, this guy hasn't actually been on a dating app. Ivanka Trump was in Morocco last week to promote economic empowerment of women in developing countries. She wants to show women that with a little hard work and determination... Anyone can inherit a lot of money. And finally, the latest Quinnipiac poll shows Kamala Harris polling at 1% in New Hampshire, which is ironic, considering the Democrats always tell you that it's Republicans who are the one percenters. The Trump Report starts now. (laughs) I'm Maria Menounos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, with the buzz. Yes, welcome to the Trump Report. I'm Christian Blatt. Joined by our illustrious panel, Josh Iglesias. Hi there. Thanks for remembering my name. <laughs> and the guy on the end, Scott. Scott. I was called Scott Brown. See, that see, I did, see what happens when well, you mess around? Thank you for getting my name correct. Yeah. Scott Brown's usually in the chat, not the former sender. Right. Scott Moore is here, and he is very active on Twitter. So that's the important thing to know. I get to, you have to draw these lines in the sand. Uh, <laughs> hey, tomorrow's a big day. No more shopping days left. Uh, impeachment right. impeachment <laughs> hearings are on TV at 8 a.m. Eastern. Scott, what time are you getting up to start watching? Are you setting the alarm for 4:55? Yeah. Uh, that you know our time exactly. obviously here on the yeah, West Coast. Yeah. Uh, no, but no. Oh, you're gonna TiVo in? Maybe fast I'm forward. Fast forward it. Okay. Yes. Yes. Uh, TiVo still a thing? You know, it's a, yeah, that's the breaking news for, for me. First of all, yes, I have a TiVo brand TiVo. Second of all, you know, I think if you cut the cord, you got to buy one from somewhere. Mm. You know, so uh, <laughs> I think I'm not alone there. So, uh, Chelsea, you getting up at four fifty five? It sounds no. like a no. No, I am very much a sleeper. So you don't care about the impeachment hearings? You don't care about this country? See, Tell this, me more. This is the kind of extremist <laughs> language that is really not helping. Um, but it's not really hurting. Uh, not here. Actually, well, here, this no. This language but isn't in, really hurting. But in the country, I would yeah, say probably it actually not good, yeah. is. Yeah. Okay. But I will definitely be tuning in. I hate to call it, like, just for the highlights. But yeah. um, unfortunately, if you, you know, have to be out there... You know, making a living. Even if you do work from home like me, you can't be watching impeachment hearings all day. But as much as I can, I will. Mm-hmm. You'll be checking it out. Well, let us know Same. in yep. the chat if you're watching live or the archive version. Uh, what uh, What are you most looking forward to in the impeachment hearing? I mean, I'm I I'm I am looking forward to seeing how many people actually tune in. Like it could be. I mean, I wonder if this will be like the new trial of the century and like. OJ of this century, to- yeah. I mean, OJ was last mm-hmm. century. That's that's old stuff. We don't talk about old stuff anymore. <laughs> OJ refers to that as the LA thing. Mm. That's how he on Twitter refers to that incident. And he's I mean, like, oh, people talk to me about the LA thing. Yeah, that's old it's, stuff. It's like this that where people get their civics lessons from, right? And uh, going back to the Nixon uh, hearings before they went into full impeachment mode, there's something like eighty percent of the country at that point in time was listening or watching sure. impeachment and to see how it's gone down. And even when the Clinton impeachment hearings were going on, we didn't really have 
the multitude of social media, obviously, well, and the digital, and and everyone kind of in their own place. So with Watergate, know. we had like six channels, so that's different. Yeah. With Clinton, we had like I think the Bruce Springsteen song is fifty-seven channels and nothing on. That's for you, Ryan. Fifty-seven Ryan. channels there you go. and nothing on. See, and you said you were losing your voice. You sound magnificent. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so, and you know, now we have what a billion. If right. you haven't cut the cord, you have like right. a billion channels. Uh, if you have, well, you're back down to like six, so it's a uh, full circle. But uh, I'm interested in who is going to appear. I really, really, really want John Bolton to talk. I, I feel like he's he's got good stuff to say. And I think he knows it's going to help him sell books mm-hmm. if he does this. <laughs> you know, you can you can skip the press tour for the book when it does come out if you go and, and you testify and you, and you tell – like. I'm not saying even dress up. You know, I'm saying tell what you actually know. I mean, he he resigned for a reason, and you can think what you want about John Bolton. But if he disparages his mustache, I will walk off this head. <laughs> but once we get past that, you can think what you want about him as, as a person. But uh, whatever it was, he was just like, yeah, I can't do this. Yeah, anymore. he he's he's definitely got the goods, and he has to think of the long term as well. Like, is he being a lifelong Republican? Does he want to be working in a future Republican administration? And how much is, is he going to say that's going to kind of protect himself as yeah. well? Um, and how much he would be willing to throw Trump under the bus, knowing that at the end of the day, Trump is going to be out of the picture at some point and, and John Bolton's still going to want to work with future administrations, you know, ostensibly. So it'll be, it's, it's an interesting line to see how much so he's willing to share. do you think John Bolton is looking for a role in the Pence administration? Is that uh, the way you're <laughs> And I'm sorry. I'm not I'm, sure Pence is looking for a job in the Pence administration. <laughs> well, what does Mother think? Because if Mother wants him to have a role in the Pence administration, then uh, I think that's what uh, what he'll be planning on doing. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I I just felt like Bolton's the person I, I am most interested to hear oh, what they have to say. Definitely. If we actually hear from him, and we might not. Uh, is there somebody else that I'm not thinking of, Chelsea? That that is, you know, that. Maybe I would get up at well, not four fifty-five, but maybe six fifty-five. I have two kids. I'm I'm up before six o'clock. Every I know. Day, I was going to so. say that that's an unfair advantage. <laughs> but before right. five, I'm not up. So yeah. yeah. Uh, off the top of my head, I can't think of anything. Okay. But I'll be sure to let you know if I change my mind and what I'll if, be feverishly texting. What if Don Junior decides that this is the best way to promote his book? That would <laughs> be amazing. Yeah. And then wouldn't it be funny, like if history repeats itself and the Republicans are the one that boo him? Out of the hearings? <laughs> uh, yeah, because that's what that happened at an event. Uh, I think it was at UCLA. Here, UCLA Here, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he uh, was booed out of the event by... Uh, Trump well, supporters? Trump supporters, yeah. I was going to say Republicans, but I think that the, this this ideology is a little bit further removed. This was like white nationalists, uh, you know, which to some people... That could be considered the base, but uh, at the same time, to some people, that they, well, to, some, <laughs> to who is it not considered the base? John Bolton. I'm just, gonna think, I'm just going to think of somebody that's going to say this. Uh, Don Jr. clearly, uh, you know, didn't didn't want to hear from them, but uh, well, they, they were protesting because he refused to answer questions, and I seriously wonder why he refuses to answer questions when the whole premise of his book, I think it's called like Triggered, triggered mm-hmm. why, why the Left is Trying to Silence Us or something. Yeah. And yet he people want him to answer questions and right. he won't. So right. it's like how if you believe himself. It's like how if you believe in free speech, you have to let the Ku Klux Klan have a parade. You know, I mean, it's like if, if you're going to stand by it, you know, you can't just be like, Oh, yeah, anybody can say what they want except for, you know, people that I disagree with. Although I do think, hopefully, we are headed into the age of nuance. 
because there is no such thing as an absolute freedom. doesn't matter if it's outlined in the Constitution or not. Uh, there are there are exceptions, and there are so. So the truths are no longer self evident. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Um, freak! I need a better comeback than the one that's going on in my head. Oh, I hope it has a swear word in it. Might, but 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 the idea that you have to be extreme. If you believe yeah. in the First Amendment, everybody gets to say anything, anytime, anywhere. But that's just not how it is. Right. Well, there's always been exceptions. Right. I mean, as as the one of us who went to law school, I don't need to explain to you, but more conversationally for the audience, you can't yell fire in a movie theater. There, there are you know certain things that, that are not covered under and, free speech. Right. And if, if I were to make like an a imminent threat to your life right here and now. Which I think you just did. <laughs> You know, that is not constitutionally protected. Right. So right. Um, if if people find themselves in conversations where they hear somebody arguing, well, if you believe in the First Amendment, it's either all or nothing, um, they should start to say, hey, there's this word called nuance and you should look it up. Um, because I think that's going to be like my word of 2020 is like, can we can we, you know, look at the nuance? Can we let go of the extremes? Yeah. And I, th- I think it can be funny for somebody watching the show who's watched us for a while and who thinks that I'm like an extreme leftist. But I actually think that moving to the left is actually moving us to the middle because we've slid to so far to the right over the last four sure. years. So I just had to say that because I thought some people could, might raise an eyebrow. But if you moved to the left me. from where you were when we started the first show, you know, would you say that that is more left than the majority of the country? Like, by first show, I mean during I the Democratic Convention in 2016. I don't think it's um, to the left of the majority of the country. I do think it's to the left of where the political establishment sure. would have us be, which is very, very far right. Right. Uh, so, you know, we we're talking about uh, Don Jr. Uh, I didn't expect to mention him, but uh, he did have an appearance on The View, which... Uh, I watched while I was at the gym, as you can tell, because I'm so buff. <laughs> and uh, I, I love that pic- that image in my mind of Christian. I'm just, just on the treadmill. You know, the headband no, on, and the- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I have I have like uh, like okay. '70s Boston Celtic shorts on. Yeah, uh, and uh, it's interesting because uh, you know it's clearly he came prepared for who he was going to talk to. Uh, because you know, uh, Joy Behar did mention that she was uh, she had appeared in blackface once, but I mean now blackface it's like you know you get elected in this country and in Canada, so it doesn't matter anymore. But uh, you know he brought up points about about both of them, about both uh, she and Whoopi Goldberg, and I I don't know if people find that kind of television enjoyable to watch because there's always a lot of yelling. I think it was good for, I don't know who in the view audience was going to buy his book, but maybe some people who would have bought his book ended up watching the view that I don't know. I don't know how well that promotion worked, but I I find them interesting. And it was ironically, it was the views like 5,000th show. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, that's a lot. That's a lot of, uh, you know, that sort of, Discourse and usually to me, like the view is like Joy Behar fighting with Meghan McCain, you know. And then this was a time where like everybody disliked the guy in the panel kind of an equal amount, uh, including his girlfriend, Kim Kim (laughs) Foyle. Ah, this is a little joke. I'm sure she likes him for some reason. Ah, but uh, so I don't know. I mean, do either of you see any of that? Any highlights or? uh, I haven't watched the view since Elizabeth Hasselback days, so I really can't uh, be asked to chime in. Elizabeth and Rosie were on. Yeah, that that was the golden age. 
But I did, I, I did see um, Don Jr.'s girlfriend try and... I don't know if she was trying to stick up for Don Jr. at the UCLA event or she was trying to shut up the people who were protesting. It was a little bit of both. Which yeah. is a little <laughs> ironic given the title of the book. Um, but she was trying to, you know, low blows about why they have to online date or something because they can't find women in real yeah, life or something. Yeah, I read that, yeah. Yeah, I did see that. Nice, yeah. nice. Well, you know, uh, some people, when they look for somebody to date, they think of, what's the name of the president? Is there anybody else that has that name, too? Oh, hey, I know, Donald Trump Jr. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, uh, so I want to know what you both think in terms of not the public persona. What do you think President Trump, I was going to say Donald Trump, but then we were just talking about juniors. It's confusing. What do you think President Trump thinks as this impeachment is going? He tweeted 82 times. I think that was just Sunday. Uh, So he feels like he's doing a lot of spin. And considering how many followers he has, it's probably not hurting with the people that he's looking to vote for him. But what do you think is actually going on in his head? And I know that's probably a place you don't want to go. But (laughs) in terms of actual thought, do you think he's worried? Let's put it put it on a scale of one to ten. How worried he is behind closed doors? I'll ask you first, Chelsea. Um, How worried on a scale of one to ten is Donald Trump? I. I think, see, the, this whole raises the question of worry. Does that mean that he has a conscience? And, well, here's the thing about know, worry so- is that he's worrying about, like, it, you know, if he gets impeached and he could be removed from office, even though he thinks it's unlikely. But it just sort of depends on what comes out in this hearing. I mean, I, like, the the fine that he got for what he did with his charitable organization, to me... That's so much more significant than a conversation mm-hmm. with the president of Ukraine. Not that that isn't it, but I'm like, $2 million, that's that's a bigger deal to me. But anyway, yes. sorry. So And that would, we can't really impeach him for that. Well, I guess that's why he doesn't right. care. <laughs> because it was for conduct before he was president. Exactly, right. sure. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the fact that that is like so far down on our radar of stories yeah. is just, it's very telling of this administration. But I think Donald Trump is doing what he does best is he will just deflect, obfuscate, create more chaos, wreak more havoc. Just, you know, if he says something funny or idiotic in a tweet, we will all like, you know, the squirrel thing. We'll turn our attention there and analyze that. And so we'll take our eye off the ball. And so I think that's just his go-to move that he reflexively goes to. Yeah, I mean, he could... You know, pull out something that will distract people. You know, one of the the gems from when he was uh, pre-president, you know, before he was president, he could just remind us that you can't be a supermodel if you're an A-cup. He could just put something like that out there. And I think that all of a sudden a lot of attention would be paid to that. So do you have a number on the scale of 1 to 10 for how worried you think he is? Hmm. I'll allow negative numbers, although I don't know that I feel like that's accurate. Hmm. I feel like there ha- there's a higher than 0% concern from him. You know, it's not about conscience or morals. It's about like getting caught and being punished for it. I think that 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 is what I'm wondering about. Um, I I I think he, I, I don't know, very low. You know, between zero and three, like worried okay. about it. Um, you know, ego might be freaking out. I mean, I just I, it's it's hard for me to imagine him as somebody who worries about getting caught for doing something yeah. wrong because no I mean I, I'm inclined to agree with you it's about a two is is my guess 
Uh, Scott, what do you think? Same question. Scale of 1 to 10. And then the follow-up will be, where do you think it should be? Oh, my God. <laughs> well, I mean... Because you 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 run the impeachment <laughs> desk over there here on the show. I Look, I think... Um, I think what you guys were saying is that worry, I'm not sure is the right word, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I do think that he's, and concern's not really the right word, but regardless of just having that eye next to his name of knowing that he's been impeached, because let's be honest, it looks like he will be in the house at least, and having that is, is something that would be on his legacy, and I think that beyond all the other things that are going on and what people are going to say about him and his administration, um, having that is, is always going to be with him. Like, like it is with Bill Clinton and his presidency. So I don't think he clearly likes that. And, uh, but as far as being worried, I don't think that's something he's, he's doing on a daily basis. I think, like you said, he's going to get out of it in some senses, the Senate. Part of him, I think, is excited because the ego relishes almost in, in being in attacked mm-hmm. and then in fighting back. And there is some momentum that gets created when you have something to fight up yeah, against. You have an enemy that right. you can right exactly. Yeah. So it it riles him up and it just gives him something to fight against. And so I, I think he actually may enjoy it more than worry about it. Yeah, I think that that that's fairly accurate. I think that. The next few weeks, he's like, oh, great, this is what I do best. And in in some ways, he'll see it as, uh, you know, basically free campaign advertising. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, look what they're doing to me, you know. And you know, he hasn't called himself, I was just about to say, look what they're doing to your favorite president. <laughs> he hasn't called himself our favorite president in a long time. No, but he, he called himself the most transparent president, right, which yesterday. is almost just as insulting. Yes. Oh, he did say that. Yes. Hmm. I did. I, you know what? I missed that he's one. He's going to release the transcripts because he's the most transparent president. Yeah. Well, I love how we're being told that the transcripts are perfect, mm-hmm. which is such a weird – it's not just him. That seems to be sort of the, the company line on them. And I'm like, what do you mean? What? It's perfect. Right. You know? I mean, it, it, I can't imagine that uh, that even if there weren't anything that uh, seemed fishy on there. Um, I, I wanted to uh, talk mm-hmm. about – not this is less about – Impeachment, but uh, there were these uh, claims from Nikki Haley that both Rex Tillerson and John Kelly tried to recruit her to, quote, save the country by, also a quote, undermining and ignoring Trump. Now, this is a story that we've heard before, not literally this part, but that they'll take stuff off of his desk. They'll put, st- you know, they'll, they'll try to make sure he doesn't pay attention to certain things so that they don't get signed or, or you know, he doesn't follow through on something. Uh, and for clarification, I don't know that John Kelly has, but I did see that Rex Tillerson has said, yeah, this didn't happen. So um, that tells me that John Kelly definitely said it because he hasn't tried to, you know, he's just like, right. <laughs> Nope, no, no, no news today. I didn't show up in any Google alerts. Uh, so I, uh, I, I'm i sort of wondering, what do you think? Uh, well, let me ask first, Scott, do you think that this is an accurate statement from Nikki Haley? Or do you think she made this up to sell a book? Because it is a, there is a book. Right. Um, there's always a book. It's book season. Yes. I, I think there's a little of both. Maybe there was some kind of discussion, maybe not quite to the point that she said that it was. But she's trying to toe this very difficult line right now where she's trying to remove herself enough from Trump and the administration. So because I clearly see some future runs in her, even if, you know, the claim is she's going to be the VP replacement for Pence. But I think down the line, regardless, she's going to want to run for president. And 
having the executive experience as a, a term and a half governor of South Carolina and everything else and being a, a conservative woman will probably lead her to be kind of popular in in Republican circles when if she chooses to run down the road. So she's trying to, I think, do this difficult line with the book and still being like, yes, I was part of the administration and I was doing what I needed to do. And these other people were trying to get me to do other things so that she can kind of keep a clean look on both sides for the base of the Trump supporters and also for the people in Republican circles and independents that don't like Trump, but she would need their votes. And so I think there's a little bit of a game going on there uh, and also, again, to sell books, and it sounds more exciting. But I don't think exactly that happened. There was probably some truth to it, and now she's you know embellished it and made it into something more than it was. What do you think, Chelsea? Do you think uh, it happened the way that uh, that she she's characterizing it, that they actively were trying to save the country by, you know, undermining Trump, basically? I'm sure that that is a reasonable uh, interpretation of what uh, Rex Tillerson and John Kelly were trying to do, right. even though they may not have said, hey, we're doing this. We're taking stuff off of his desk specifically so we can undermine the president and we can save the country. They probably didn't say all that, but they're like, hey, maybe we shouldn't share that with him. Maybe just let him focus on this, that or the other. And so things like that where she could say. I think what's going on here is these two guys are trying to undermine. So right. I don't think that's crazy. But what I do think it's crazy is when she tried to actually say, oh, yes, Trump is truthful. She tried to tell it to uh, try to tell Savannah Guthrie. Oh, yes. Um, what was it? She cares about uh, the country, but then Ukraine and uh, and corruption was her answer to the question about how is this good for America? She is. Um, I, I don't see I mean, not like I really took her all that serious before, mm-hmm. but she did look, compared to everybody else in the administration, to have something between the ears. Mm-hmm. And um, with what she said in the last couple of days, just has completely lost me for much of any respect that I had had left for her. I, it, I Book or no book, I just cannot believe that she would say some of the things that she said. Um I, I, I just don't know how anybody could try and defend the honesty of the president. Yeah. I, I think even people in his base say, well, sure, he doesn't tell the truth, but I mean, everybody acknowledges it. So for her to be saying that, I, I just don't get what she's trying, who I, she's trying to convince. I know. It, to, it audience like... of one. I mean, is Trump going to buy all of her <laughs> books or something? I just don't get Possible. it. Possible. Yeah, who knows? I know. It felt like she's, again, like what I was saying earlier, like she's trying to appeal to everybody in this weird, like, let me try to get some Trump supporters, and but let me not be very clear so that way I'm not turning mm-hmm. off the non-Trump she's Republicans. clearly not yeah. all there. Yeah, no, I... I yeah, I don't know what she's trying to do, but it seems like she's trying to fit in for everybody mm-hmm. so she can get the vote down the road. Uh, speaking of votes down the road, we've spent uh, a lot of time over the last couple of months on this panel, and mostly because I bring it up so often, about how a lot of Democrats, but also just in general undecided voters, are a little bit underwhelmed by the entire field of uh, of candidates running against Donald Trump. And I think it's because they haven't seriously looked at Marianne Williamson and what she would offer. But apart from that, um, I also think that, yeah, they're just sort of nobody's 
nobody's excited about anyone, you know, in the way that you had, you know, yeah, like I object. There's no Obama there. You can you can like Elizabeth Warren, but it's not that kind of a movement. I, I you know, it's like yes, her crowds are. You know, I even said on here, I was really impressed just how many people were turning up. Not that she had big crowds, but like the, the numbers were fifteen, twenty thousand in places that I didn't even think there were fifteen thousand people in the state. So you know, it can be impressive, but I, I think that in general, people who casually follow politics don't go like oh i'm real i really want to know more about this barack obama you mm-hmm. know so there isn't somebody like that but uh i don't know that the answer is mike bloomberg uh but is it because it's just somebody else getting into the race that people seem excited about this people are excited i must miss that uh, I know. <laughs> if you if you believe uh, headlines and chatter <laughs> and judge there judy are, you, <laughs> Judge Judy, Judge Judy really put herself out there, which was really funny because she's like she's like taking a risk in her career. She never talks about politics, but she thinks Mike Bloomberg should run. And I'm like, how's that going to hurt her career? She, you know? she, it's almost impossible. She owns her own show. She's yeah, the, uh, the highest earning person yeah. on television by she's, like a million. She's fine. She's yeah. going to be fine. You know, if she did something truly controversial, like if she'd come out and said, you know, I think Donald Trump Jr. should have let those white nationalists speak. Okay. That that's a that's a little troubling. I think she'd still be okay, but that that's like a little bit more of a. You're just saying you want Mike Bloomberg to be president, so it's not just Judge Judy, and I, I mean Deval Patrick wants to run, mm-hmm. and I'm like I I had to think for a minute about who that was. He was a also a former uh, governor of Massachusetts, mm-hmm. I believe after, after Mitt Romney. After Mitt yeah. Romney, yes. So you know that clearly uh, clearly uh, governor of Massachusetts is a path to not being president. So I mean that's something to keep in mind for Deval Patrick. <laughs> that's true. But neither of these names, you know, it's it, it, neither of these names. Uh, I think. You know, if there were like four people running for president, okay, and then maybe like Mike Bloomberg's the fifth now. That could be interesting. But there's so many. And Chelsea, you didn't even know that people were excited about this. Did you even know that Deval Patrick was talking about running? No. Okay. So <laughs> I know about Bloomberg. Well, yeah. I mean, Bloomberg is making sure that uh, that people know. I think. Right. I think those feelers are out there. Uh, do you think that someone who is I'm leaning towards Mayor Pete. Oh, maybe, maybe I, I like, I still like what Bernie has to say. You know, maybe they're they're a little bit on the fence. Is it going to be like, oh my God, Mike Bloomberg, right. the guy who put a tax on sodas in New York City? I want that guy. That's the guy that I want. Although, I mean, see now, I'm not, now that's I'm your issue. That. That's your issue. Yeah. No, because literally, without something like that, we are going to be well on our way to diabetes for all before we ever it, have Medicare. I believe for all. it's. I believe that ship has sailed. I, I think that uh, it is it is that kind of thing that makes me personally a little leery about Medicare for all because I if I try and eat well and therefore keep my health care costs low now I got to pay for you when you voluntarily consume a bunch well, of garbage voluntarily I mean, and then knowing that it is harmful to you doctors tell you stop eating it I mean we're you know, and you don't, and then your foot is, you know, starts to fall off, and but now we got to pay at, for it. At the same time, in the same city, a pack of cigarettes is uh, was ten dollars. I think it's twelve now. So clearly, like, if you tax something that people want, they're just gonna they'll find the money. It's fine. You know, they'll pay for That's it. That's fine. But right. then, if that money goes to then take care of their foot falling off, and I don't have to pay for it, that's fine. If these people want to pay for their own harm to themselves, great. I would like to to put in money for a Medicare for all for people who are trying at least to do, you know, a basic, you know, job of of trying to take care of themselves. And the problem is, is that we have, you know, 
big big soda is probably you know a huge lobby and so it's going to be very difficult to to push back on the the sugar that bombards us and a whole bunch of crap stuff in our air and our water all that kind of stuff is making us sick makes medical costs go way up and that's why this is so expensive. If we could clean up all of that, then maybe healthcare wouldn't be as expensive. So you're endorsing Mike Bloomberg for president, is what you're saying. <laughs> you like what he wow, has to say. Look what you just got. I, out took, of I was me. able to take that yes. from you. I, yeah. I, I, I'm just, that is all just to say that I'm not opposed to that kind of thinking. I don't know if that's quite the solution. I think restricting a, a, a lobby, any lobby, whether it's a sugar lobby or the, I don't know care what kind of lobby from being able to be so influential and get their products paid for by what food stamps is now called uh, EBT. EBT. Yeah. yeah. That you can now go through the drive through and get non impossible burgers from Burger King. I mean, is just unbelievable. Now, if I would allow EBT to be used for the impossible. Would you let them buy fries? See, you're being very specific now. <laughs> and that that's the sort of thing I remember when I was a kid. I understood I wasn't real little, but I understood what food stamps were. And I remember watching the person in front of me and I didn't say it then, you know, I knew to like be polite, but I was talking to my mom, I was like, So they could buy like Twinkies and Coke with their food stamps. My mom was like, Well, yeah, you can you can buy anything that's food. And as I was like, But that I is not food. No, no, well, I mean I, but I as a kid, I was just like I was food. surprised yeah. that it's like but it's like, you know, look, you sh- if, if you end up on, on food stamps or EBT, sure, you should be able to choose. But at the same time, it's like w- you, they're paying for they're paying for garbage, you know, and it's like, yeah. I, I, so, I mean, I understand exactly they're what you're saying on in the, yeah. the fast food industries, you know. So uh, it's, it's I, I, I don't I'm actually kidding about that. Impossible burger should be on the EBT. I don't you know think so. That, I don't think that's true. Um, no, I mean, I, I, I would. Th- I can understand taking it at, at, at a restaurant of, of some kind, and, but it's... and I would remove taxes from produce, frozen produce, fresh produce. That's fair. Well, most uh, even states don't have taxes on on some of that food. So if you go to certain states, they don't have any. Because tax. right now, with the subsidies, the fact that you can get a cheeseburger for the same price of an apple is well, totally wrong. And I think that's part of the issue. It's a bigger thing besides. Mike Bloomberg taxing the sodas. It's the fact that, in a way, sugar is like a drug. It and, absolutely is a drug. And not it's even cheaper. In a way. Processed food yeah. is cheaper. So there's Why? underlying problems. So people That's can go in that... and and get that versus that you can the fresh raise produce. a whole cow with mm-hmm. all the water and the food that it takes, pump it full of chemicals, transport it. Take it to be slaughtered. Have all these people work on processing the slaughter. Get it into a burger. Ship it off frozen to McDonald's. And that all of that process is cheaper than growing an apple out of the ground should be astonishing and disgusting to people. Right. But but that's part of So it's a bigger underlying problem between that and, and I would and, – and as much as I agree with you that I hate paying for other people's – issues. Voluntary I, signing up to get diabetes yeah, issues. Yeah, I do think that if – well, profit is way too high in, in – health insurance anyway, so it should never be. But if, again, collectively we can get everybody's health in check, it makes it better for everybody's crop as, as far as the whole country, the workforce. Everybody's yeah. in a better place because otherwise it drags down everything else when that same person is going to the ER and we're paying on their taxes yes. for that and now they're not working and that affects everything else. So in a way, it's like the sacrifice of being able to make sure we have a stronger 
society overall that can work and that can contribute yeah. and that which is why this medicare but, for all things should be going second to the anti-corruption pro-democracy right, yeah. type stuff that elizabeth warren is trying to promote the fact that joe biden is coming down on i'm i'm anti-medicare for all mm-hmm. like is whatever i want to hear where he's he stands on her uh anti-corruption s- stuff because that's the thing that we need first and i think actually i hate to say this that mark cuban is accurate when he calls out elizabeth warren for you know misleading um us on medicare for all that she's going to be able to implement all of this in four years i don't think that's true i don't think so either also the fact that we need to the anti-corruption stuff needs to go in so that uh, we can start getting healthier as individual like literally our physical health can be uh, better and that the health of our democracy can be strong enough for it to go into uh, into effect. So I that's a whole long way to to <laughs> say that we Elizabeth Warren needs to shift her focus. I, I wish everybody would shift their focus, but the problem is is do you get these um, surveys texted to you before the debates asking you what is your priority of the issues? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we all get them. You get them. Well, no, but I did get a text uh, that was uh, addressed to my wife from uh, the Yang Gang. And wanted to know uh, where I would rank Al- uh, Andrew. Uh, Andrew. And, yeah, now I was going <laughs> to get I've done the game. I did the game too long where I almost got it wrong and then you almost got it wrong. Uh, where, where I ranked Andrew Yang uh, between one and five of my candidates. And I didn't write back because I what I was thinking was I wanted to try and be funny, but I was just like I'm like, like six. Uh, well, I was just like <laughs> I mean, like probably right around 14th, which is probably not necessarily accurate. But I was just going to be obnoxious. And I, but what I really wanted to write back was, oh, I'll put him at number one if I can get that thousand bucks a month. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to send that to me, I'll de- I, like I'll tell you right now, I'll vote for him. Uh, but so I get those, but I haven't gotten the ones you're talking so about. They, they, yeah, they're I've asking us every time, and apparently sometimes. everybody keeps putting healthcare. Which is going to show that we have not, the message, my message has not gotten through to the American <laughs> it's, people. And, and it's that not. Medicare for all has got to be second. Everything else has no, to be second to cleaning up our democracy. don't understand that. And it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not a tangible thing, much like going back to the Mueller report and the impeachment with Donald Trump. People can, there was too much there. They don't quite understand how that affects Forget it. Maybe them. we need better public education yes, first, yes. and then we can have <laughs> pro-democracy stuff. And then, I mean, this is just... Yeah, it's just... Uh, it's, 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 speaking of nuance, just, I think it's just too nuanced for them. Just to backtrack to what started this yeah, conversation, like, I wanted to know, Scott, your thoughts about Mike Bloomberg and or Deval right. Patrick. I, I, I mean... I think... Um, I think we've already had the billionaire in the race, and look, he is a real... He is a real billionaire that actually started his company from scratch. He has a lot of Trumpian tendencies, though. You know, he went from the two terms that they had in, in New York City and had them overturn it so he could run for a third term. Yeah. Um, which, which, under de Blasio, they're like, mm, yes. no, let's not have that third term <laughs> thing anymore. Yeah, let's make sure we get rid of that. Yeah, I, I don't know what he thinks by jumping in this late and he's avoiding Iowa and New Hampshire, what he thinks he would be getting out of this. And again, it seems like Tom Steyer, you could be using your money in a better place than your your vanity project here for running for president because it's not going to go anywhere. Um, and I, I think the biggest fear for everybody, even if they like their candidates, which a lot of polls still do say Democrats are pretty satisfied with the choice they have, even though I do agree with you, there's not that passionate person like a Barack Obama or Bill yeah, Clinton in 1992. That was such a letdown that I'm like not even... Well, no, but I'm saying like just the passionate... Yeah politician that's very good like bill clinton in 1992 you don't you, people are starting you, you, to see through charisma hopefully and wanting to get actual you know analysis right. but, on real policy but charisma maybe. is 
charisma is always going to draw people because you've got to have that to get people to be passionate to vote for you. And so I do understand there's not that that person right now. You need that person to carry the message, essentially. But I think the biggest fear is they're worried that, again, if we don't find that right person that's going to get people out to vote, that people still won't be motivated enough and Donald Trump will be able to eke out another win. And this time he could win losing the popular vote by five million or more and still eke out a win. So I think that's the greatest concern is do people feel there's a candidate there that's going to draw the people out? And I would say yes, because we saw the election results just last week uh, across the country. And I think enough people are animated and driven now on the Democratic side that at this point, you know, whoever it is, yes, there might be a point or two difference, but I think um, which could affect some states. But I think people are going to be very motivated to vote. There was a poll today in Arizona and it was neck and neck. Hmm. Uh, yeah, and you know, there's always someone who thinks Uh-oh. that they're that person Christian's who favorite come person. in. <laughs> well, uh, Mark Penn said <laughs> on, I believe it was on Fox News Sunday, uh, he said somewhere over the weekend that uh, don't rule out Hillary. Right. And I'm just saying, I've been saying it. I, 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 I've never stopped saying it. No, we've said and it I'm going to keep months. on saying it until, you know, it has to be the day after Election Day. <laughs> then I'll stop saying it. Although then I'll be like, well, 2024 well, is looking pretty good. Yeah. No, I'd still say, like, maybe she'll come in if there's a contested election. And she'll be like, look, guys, I'll come in and save I'll, the day. I'll save everything. I'll the- yeah. Uh, the, the thing about uh, Bloomberg looking to get right into Super Tuesday, I didn't remember this, but I was listening listening to a show this morning that reminded me that's what Giuliani tried to do. Giuliani he was going for the yes, Republican nomination. Yep. And um, I don't know that uh, that's a blueprint to follow. Nope. Uh, you know, uh, Rudy Giuliani as mayor, uh, you can uh, it, it's tough to argue with uh, some of the successes. Uh, but as a as a campaign uh, trying to become a nominee for no. president, as being a lawyer to a president, I don't know that you want to follow those. But uh, no. So uh, Hillary's still lurking. Yes. That's the point. It's true. I think she is still lurking, and we've talked about this for months. What are you? No, I, no, I'm about? saying it's like, not just me. It, no, I'm not no. the only one. And people were talking about if if she jumped in the race, that oh, would be the change. God. You know, people are actually saying that in the polls that that or an Oprah or somebody big like Deval Patrick. Well, Oprah, the, Oprah, that's uh, different. Uh, that's uh, a celebrity. Now uh, I would no, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you would be Clinton, like somebody like that at this point in the game would change potentially the dynamics. Otherwise, nobody else coming in the race is really going to change. The dynamics that much, like the Bloombergs, like Deval Patrick, any of the nothing's going to change. They're going to be in the low single digits. Um, so it would be someone like that. And again, I don't. I, I hope she does not run, but I, I do agree with Christian, and I've said this: if she feels that she's got a way in, she will. She will jump back in because she's always wanted this. So. Yeah, not so, it's, but we'll see. Maybe she shows up for the debate next Wednesday. I want to ask real quick. Y'all. Yes, sir. Uh, do you think Hillary would not join if Trump is? Do you think Hillary would be more likely to join if Trump is impeached versus if he's not? Mm. That's, That's a good a question. Good question. Um, I don't know that that would, because she would definitely have people telling her whether or not she can win, and I don't think that makes her more likely to win. I think she I, I think she wants to get in regardless. So I don't know that she's more likely because of that. But what do you think, I, Scott? I think perhaps the revenge part of it of being able mm. to go in if he was running again and be able to beat him. Well, as she says, beat him, again, beat him again. Yes, beat him again. Because she did beat right. him in the popular and vote. And beat him yeah. in electoral college just and, and actually beat him I think would be probably her most ideal. Um, because then it's always in the back of your mind like, oh, I didn't beat that person. Um, yeah. So – Probably the preference would be that she'd be able to take them on again. And, and, you know, in the past, it used to be candidates would run again and again against each other. 
and lose, you know, or sure. win. Uh, that used to be the thing. But in modern times, once you lose the first time around, you usually don't come back again. Um, but, you know, in the past, that was a regular thing. We just gotten away from that to some degree. You think of Atlee Stevenson against Eisenhower. You think of uh, uh, William Jennings Bryan, who ran like three different times. Yeah, he did. And you, you know, a lot of a lot of candidates would go back and run again. And you have like former presidents like Teddy Roosevelt who Teddy decided Roosevelt, to get back in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, I know it's your least favorite topic, Chelsea. So mm-hmm. we can just move on. Thank you. But uh, we only have a few minutes, and you referenced it, and it was something that we were talking a lot about. Uh, on last Tuesday's show, which is the the Kentucky gubernatorial race. And uh, I believe that a concession has not happened yet. There's a lot of lawyers involved. And I think that there are a lot of instances where you can point to suspicious electoral returns. But what I would say is not suspicious is when a small majority of about, I think, 5,000 people vote for a Democrat for one office against someone who's ranked the most unpopular governor in the country. And then down the rest of the ticket, they vote for Republicans. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to stuff the ballot box, would just sneak in maybe one or two other Democrats? Instead, you're just like, oh, no, no, no. So, I mean, would it be too suspicious? So (laughs) to me, it's just like... You know, oh, yeah, and there's like these 5,000 ballots that have all Democrats. I don't know what I think about that. We are Kentucky after all. It's just like, dude, people hate you. Right. And they don't they don't like you. That's that's what that should be telling you. Yes. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know. I mean, just I wanted to kind of get – because we were talking so much about it and you brought it up. Let me ask Scott first. Your thoughts about this idea of like let's, let's challenge the results. It reminds me of uh, – Citizen Kane, he's running for governor of uh, of New York, and they print two papers. One, Charles Foster Kane wins, and then the second headline, fraud at the polls, <laughs> because there's no uh, there's no other alternative. So that's like 1941, I think, <laughs> and uh, that's still the thinking out there. It's like either I won or they rigged it. Right. Uh, so what do you think about uh, about uh, Matt Bevan's approach here? Well, I think it's it's a, a dry run, a dress rehearsal to what we could see from Donald Trump next year if he loses and uh, kind of cut in the vein of Donald Trump. And, you know, Trump went down there and did this big rally and purposely even said, which is the funnier part about how, you know, this is a personal thing if if Matt Bevan were to lose. And then the next day, the ridiculous lies. I felt like we're living North Korea again. Oh, he was down 17 points and I brought him back. I mean, the ridiculousness is insane. But yeah, uh, Matt Bevan should step aside. And it is logical to think not only was he not liked, but people were comfortable enough in Kentucky to vote for the Bashir name. You know, uh, Andy Bashir's father was governor right before and uh, for eight years. Yeah. Um, and so you do have a back and forth with Democrats. And, and it goes back to. The Deep South with the governors that do flip, like Roy Cooper's Democrat governor in North Carolina. We have John Bell Edwards that's likely going to win re-election in Louisiana this weekend. Um, so it's not completely unusual. I think people felt comfortable enough. I think Andy Bashir ran a great campaign. You know, he talked about economic issues. It wasn't drilling in about impeachment. Um, and he made people feel comfortable enough to vote for him, and and that should say something. And it should also scare Republicans. Do you think um, it should scare Mitch McConnell? It should scare Mitch McConnell a lot. Yes, although his guy won in Attorney General, and I'm sure that guy is going to now run Ugh. against Andy Bashir in, mm-hmm. in 2023. But yeah, Matt Bevin should step aside, be an adult, walk be away gracefully, adult. because it, it just looks bad uh, when you don't do that. 
Yeah, I mean, there, there's a, there's a case to be made that there, that uh, Al Gore could have dragged that out a sure. lot longer, and you know whether he won or not. But uh, there, there were, I mean, what was it, five hundred and twenty-six votes or whatever? Five thirty-seven. Oh yeah, right. it was one of, of them. Five thirty-seven. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. It's five thirty-seven. I yeah, voted in five, Florida in yeah. that election. So for him. you know, it, it's it, that's that's pretty small. Like you mm-hmm. could probably, but then he's just like, yeah, this isn't really good for the country to keep it going, but. Uh, maybe Mistake. he just uh, doesn't. He maybe he just doesn't care. Uh, what do you? Yeah. I mean, we're we're out of time, but I did want to let you finish uh, on this, Chelsea. It can be about that specific race, or about the idea of like I didn't win. Well, let's uh, let's see what the courts can do to help us. Yeah, I see that from a lot of people that I wish wouldn't do that, and the vice versa of the people that I wish did that won't do that. But I think overall, when you look back at last week, it feels like you know you were looking at the little nuance, which maybe we should be. But overall, it feels like it was a big Democratic win. So mm-hmm. I think that that is um, breathing a little bit of life into the Democratic Party. Abs- Whether absolutely. Or that's that's going to translate next year or not, but that's, I think, where where the party is. I think so. When you see Pennsylvania results in Delaware County and you see Virginia going completely blue, um, it's definitely a warning shot for Republicans, for sure. Uh, well, that is all the time we have for this week. Now, next week, we'll be back at a special time somewhere between 8 and 10 Pacific. Uh, stay tuned and we'll uh, make sure to let you know because we have another debate that night. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, I believe Scott will be there. Somebody who will not be there because she'll be in Hawaii. Thank you for not saying the <laughs> island. I don't know. Do you think people are going to go looking for the whole island to find know. you? <laughs> it's just weird. Uh, yeah. So uh, so Chelsea won't be here. But uh, so uh, look for us then, and you can find that time. We'll post it uh, at Trump Report ABTV. But until then, Chelsea, where can people find you? At Chelsea Galicia, and not in Hawaii. Not in Hawaii. Yeah, she's gone on vacation. She's gone to Staten Island, okay? That's the big island she's gone to. And Scott, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SmanAD. That's SMAN80. And I'm at Christian DMZ. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll see you next Wednesday night after the debate. Bye. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 